Hello and welcome to B2B Better, a podcast for the B2B marketer looking to be better than boring. I love Instagram. I just love it. It's the inspirational mood board of my life. It's where I first discovered what a cronut was. It's truly a magical place. And in the hands of the right B2B marketer, it's a powerful channel to position your organization as somewhere worth spending some time. Nicole Tabak is one of those B2B marketers. She has not one, not two, but four Instagram accounts to her name, notwithstanding the one she manages for her company as a marketing communications and social media specialist. We sat down to dig into the value Instagram can deliver to a B2B business in promoting people and culture, how to reuse and repurpose content that otherwise have no place on the social network, and when you're on your own and fighting for time, how to put in place a content strategy that helps you get it all done. Let's go. And on B2B Better today, I am joined by Nicole Tabak, social media manager in the B2B technology industry. How are you doing, Nicole? I'm doing great. How are you, Jason? I'm very well. Very excited to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. So uh, you are obviously a social media manager in the B2B technology space, but that is not where you started your career. Tell us a little bit about your journey uh, to get to where you are today. Sure. So yeah, I think I had a little bit of a um, little different way into into technology and, and the B2B space in particular. Um, I actually started out my career in theater and music and arts. Um, I was working for um, a lot of different nonprofits, um, doing different Broadway shows, um, different orchestra concerts, concert tours, all different sorts of things like that. Um, I actually, when I when I started my career, I thought I was going to kind of go into into more of the musical space, into production and things like that. And then I sort of discovered marketing and communications. And um, at my core, I really just enjoy seeing the way people think and the way people react. And that sort of then translated into a more of a career offstage. So um, I was I was doing a lot of uh, different different marketing jobs, which was a really cool experience to test out different marketing mediums, different, uh, you know, email creation or or um, grassroots promoting. And um, I ended up landing sort of in a mix of communications and social media. Um, and when I was doing my last position um, within music, I sort of realized that, uh, well, I do love it and, it and it's such a hobby of mine and, and a passion of mine, um, I kind of wanted to try out something different. And uh, the tech space was definitely interesting to me. Um, I, my, my husband's a software engineer. I kind of am very uh, familiar with the tech space and I decided to sort of give it a go. And I landed at a global B2B tech company, um, which has been a really great opportunity to be able to work in a large, a large company, a large atmosphere and, and get to know the ins and outs of what it's like to, to be at a software company. Um, it's very different than being at a nonprofit where you're kind of uh, usually on small teams and, and trying to make ends meet with, with small budgets and different things. But at the same time, there's, there's a lot of similarities in that you're trying to be innovative, you're trying to uh, get into new things. And I think particularly within social media, it's such a new uh, medium for people within, within tech, but also you know within B2B, um, just trying to figure out how we approach different strategies with it. So it's been an interesting journey. What we are here today to talk about is Instagram and the role that it can play for B2B businesses. Because in your role as a social media manager, uh, you have been very exposed to uh, Instagram as a platform and, and using that as a means to uh, hit the businesses 
objectives that you've been working for. Let's start off here. In your opinion, what is the role that Instagram can play for B2B businesses? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I think in general, when you're doing B2B social media, Instagram isn't necessarily your first approach. And I get that. I I think it's it's an interesting platform in that we see so much of our consumer-facing products, our consumer-facing offerings. Um, and I think this really goes to a lot of what other people are saying. And I'm sure you've, you've had this on this podcast of of B2B social media in general, of talking to people as if they're human, not just because you know, you're, you're B2B or B2C, but everybody at the end of the day is human and is scrolling through their different platforms. Um, and I think a way that we can look at Instagram in that is how do we how do we think when we're not just on the LinkedIn's of the world, when we're not just looking at different resumes and we're looking at different, uh, you know, white papers and, and press releases and things, it really goes beyond what we look at from our traditional marketing perspectives and our traditional marketing mediums. Um, and I think it offers a really innovative way and fun way to play with your brand. Um, and like we've, we've talked about with experimenting with your brand and trying out different content. So by being a very visual first platform, it offers a really interesting way for people to start to consume your brand. I guess you could say in some ways it almost forces creativity because the platform itself is so inherently visual, as you say, that kind of just slapping on, which we see a lot in the B2B space, particularly on LinkedIn, kind of um, generic corporate stock image after generic corporate stock image, just just grates in the wrong way on Instagram, mm-hmm. more so than than maybe anywhere else. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think that uh, using Instagram almost uh, encourages one to kind of step out of the box and become a little bit more playful? Definitely, definitely. And I think, like you said, within B2B, we see so much of, of that stock imagery. And Instagram in particular is a place where you can be a little bit more raw. And I think we're seeing that also in 2020 with people holding a lot of businesses accountable and wanting to see the, the gritty side of the business and not just the polished, perfect image that they're, they're portraying on LinkedIn. So I think Instagram offers a really great opportunity on there, not just on, on the feed, which you, most people probably traditionally think about Instagram of looking on a timeline and seeing the, the nice grid images that people have on there. But there's also Instagram stories, which offer a way for people to showcase different parts of their business or different parts of their offering in different raw formats. Um, there's Instagram Instagram TV that has been rolling out or Instagram Reels that's also been catching on kind of off of the TikTok momentum. But um, there's just so many different ways that really do inspire creativity in people and ask people to be a little bit more raw and and open with the way that they're communicating, which is so different than what we're seeing on the other platforms. So you've already alluded to this, um, but I want to ask you directly. There's obviously a difference between, you know, Instagram photos and Instagram stories. Just generally speaking, kind of how do you view the type of content you're creating with each of those when it comes to B2B? Sure. So I'll actually kind of go over all four pieces of content that Instagram has, since I know there's a lot of confusion sometimes with them. So you have the feed, which is what you see on your general timeline when you scroll, or you might have heard it called the grid, um, when people are, are using different photos that are static and being posted to their, their, their photos. I look at that as sort of a, 
camera roll. I guess that's sort of what you what you really want cemented in someone's mind when they think of as your brand. It's much more involved. It's much more uh, permanent on your page. Um, and I put a lot more effort into what those posts look like when they go on there. I put effort into what the caption looks like, making sure to uh, look up hashtag strategies that you're picking the exact right hashtags that will show up with your photo. Um, it just requires a lot more of a lift than what you would do with Instagram stories. So Instagram stories is a platform where you can very easily go on and have raw content. So before COVID happened, what I, you know, if I was at an event, you could just literally put, turn your video on and start doing a, a walkthrough of a conference or a walkthrough of an event that you were doing. Um, you can do cool different filters on them. You can do cool different effects like a boomerang where it can turn something that might otherwise not be so engaging into something engaging so that it's kind of ricocheting back and forth. Um, so I'd say that Instagram stories is the much more raw part of Instagram, whereas Instagram, the feed is a lot more curated and making sure that whatever you have on there is going to kind of be your, uh, your statement piece on there. Instagram stories, uh, goes away after 24 hours, unless you save it as a highlight, which you can do. And I would suggest people to do if they have any strong like events or a big project that they're working on save those in a, as an Instagram highlight and that will make it so that people can go back and look at what a recruiting event might look like or what your you know yearly sales kickoff looks like or whatever it is um, they can go back and kind of see the documenting process of that um, and then two other pieces of content that Instagram has that you can you can create are IGTV which is um, off of IG lives which is basically you can go live on a platform and then save that live video as a TV episode later that people can watch. Um, and that allows people to kind of consume a lot more long form content. Um, so if, say you were going through a Q&A or if you wanted to do a, a live webinar or something like that, you could kind of put it forward as Instagram live content that then saves as a, an Instagram TV content. And then the most polarizing new one on Instagram, which is IG Reels, um, which is supposed to sort of be a maybe TikTok competitor, um, is is taking over with a lot of people uh, to a lot of to a lot of social media managers' uh, chagrin because I think we we do not need another piece of content to create, but it is it is fun in that people can kind of create these little snippet videos that they piece together and um, often have you know meme formats or or dance or music formats so I'd say it's a little bit more playful um, in a way that people can kind of make content that's much different than what they would do on the feed or stories I mean Instagram reels is you know the the, the word polarizing is correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean I mean there's this whole question around you know does does b2b have any place? on something like a TikTok or like a Reels. Um, and I'd like to get your thoughts on that. What, what, what do you think? Should a B2B organization be trying to, to create a presence on those two platforms? I think the B2B organization can do whatever it wants on a social platform. That That is not to say that I think everyone has to run to Instagram Reels, but I have seen some companies that are very innovative in the way that they use it. I think you're familiar, Jason, with the company Fast that has yeah. has popped up as a startup, but they're doing a really great job of 
having a TikTok presence in showcasing, similarly to how I've done with Instagram of showcasing your employee culture, they highlight their their flex policy where you can be an employee and work anywhere in the world. And they're kind of documenting that process from their social media manager's point of view, which I think is a very exciting thing. You know, you you put a human face behind all of that and you kind of get the the atmosphere of what it's like to work for that company. Um, so I think that's a really creative and inventive way that I've seen it used, but that's not to say that I think every company has to all of a sudden make a strategy overnight and rush to it. I think if you can come up with a really cool, fun way of doing it, then by all means run with it. And that's the cool part about these platforms that they're very experimental. They're very different. Um, but making sure that whatever you're doing has purpose and isn't just sort of like a gimmicky thing, I think really will hone in on it and make sure that people follow your company beyond just whatever you're doing on social. Instagram, I think is a little bit of a, you know, as as you mentioned at the beginning, it's the one that probably comes a little bit later in the list in B2B on on where you're going to be putting resources. How do you make a decision as to what that channel is going to be for you? You know, how maybe you can tell us a little bit about your experience in, in B2B, how you came to making a decision as to, okay, we're going to go on Instagram and here's what we're going to be using it for. Sure. So I think there are so many different opportunities and ways that you can use Instagram as a B2B business. Um, and I think that there's no necessarily one right way to do it. I think, especially with its emergence of being sort of a newer platform in the B2B uh, stack of, of different social media platforms that people use, there are so many opportunities that people can take and, and should take and be very imaginative with it. So in the past, what I've done has been sort of an approach of putting the people first. So one thing that's very clear on Instagram is that people like to see other people, other faces. And I know that that's not always a capability of companies on social media, specifically if you're in sort of a technology company like we've worked for, you know, the technology that you're putting forward isn't always the most pretty looking or, or the most visually appealing sort of thing. You can kind of put some of the software up there, but once you put it up once, it kind of can look very repetitive over time. And you don't want to start getting this to look like, you know, a a stock imagery photo or or anything like that. So what we realized pretty quickly was that faces resonate with people. People like to see smiles and they like to see people doing things and what that experience looks like. And the approach that we took was taking sort of a talent and culture centric view on our Instagram. And you can see a lot of other different companies doing things like this. Sometimes if it's a B2C company, you'll see that they'll have their normal Instagram channel, and then they'll also have a culture or a talent adjacent channel that they can kind of run to promote their culture brand and how it, how it looks to work at that company. So that's the approach we've taken. And the idea is that if someone lands on our page, we want them to see what it looks like to have a day in the life of an employee at that company. Um, we want to see what it what it looks like to to go through the process of a new being a new employee. We want to see the different celebrations that we have, the different work environments that we have. If we're a global company, you know, what does it look like in the office in this country versus in this country? They're they're different. Definitely going to be a different vibe. Um, so I think having taking that approach is maybe an easier approach for some. Um, it, it takes down the barriers of trying to be innovative on how can we position our technology to look a certain way. Um, but it also provides an opportunity for people to, to see those, those faces with it um, and also be a little bit less, I don't want to say technical, um, but a little less uh, 
intimidating than when you're kind of on a LinkedIn platform where you're you sort of have a different hat on, right? You're you're thinking I want to I want to learn something or I want to uh, apply to this job or I want to look at what this company is doing in their earnings or things like that. Um, you have a different hat on depending on which social platform you're on at any time as a user. So trying to imagine what that user's journey looks like when they go to Instagram versus LinkedIn, just like you said. It almost sounds like that, um, and obviously, you know, it varies company by company, but as a general rule of thumb, approach something like LinkedIn as a tool to uh, communicate what the company does and look at Instagram as a tool to talk about or to show who the company is, would you say? Exactly, exactly. And I think it helps also if you do have multiple dif- different social platforms that you're using as a company to kind of put that persona and that hat on depending on the platform that you're on so that you can just have a clear message. And that's not to say that you might not overlap and you might not put a piece of press content on your Instagram channel or you might not put a culture image on your LinkedIn, um, but it's just being very tactical and purposeful of when you go on Instagram, you know what you're going to get, you know it, you know what to expect from that brand. I'm curious um, to, because you know, you mentioned a moment ago that um, you know you've you've primarily used Instagram in the past to, you know, show the faces behind the organization, and I think that's you know for anyone starting out in social media or having to make a decision as to you know what should we be using Instagram for, you know, that's that's a fail safe um, choice to make, and I think there's a lot of B two B organizations that do look at Instagram as a way to do that. Um, certainly, one of the things that I've experienced fairly, fairly recently um, with B2B Instagram during COVID in particular is becoming a little bit handicapped in, you know, how do we, how do we show that kind of office culture, you know, all of us being together and doing all the kind of like fun activities and the, the socializing and, and all that kind of stuff and the communi- uh, community initiatives when we're all at home. Um, has, that, has that impacted your approach over the last couple of months? It definitely has. It's interesting that you say that because when you have, you know, an office celebration, it's it gives you easy content. It gives you something simple that you can kind of hang your hat on and you know, okay, we're going to be able to use this as content later. But yes, you definitely have to get a bit more imaginative and a bit more creative when you're working with work from home situations. But um, something that, that I've liked to see and that I've actually used a lot of is um, connecting with your your coworkers on LinkedIn, which sounds so simple, right? Um, most people should be connected with your coworkers on LinkedIn. But what will what you'll find with that is that oftentimes they will they will provide the user generated content that you want to use on your Instagram or whatever channel you're using. So um, it might be a, a sales call that someone posts a screenshot of of a Zoom chat that they've had with that, or um, it might be people having, you know, a different, uh, like a game night, a virtual game night. Um, Different people have been doing different things within quarantine, within COVID. And I think instead of sort of keeping those within your internal communications channels, being able to repurpose that content and use it externally is a really great tool to be able to take advantage of those moments. So I'm curious to know, because you've obviously found yourself uh, in situations in the past, both in your theatrical life and in your B2B technology life, um, where you know, you've been responsible for it all. You've been responsible for setting the strategy, for creating the content, 
for publishing, for analyzing, iterating. Um, you know, how how have you approached that as a solo marketer when you've got so much to do? And, you know, you could even throw community management in there, I guess, as well. <laughs> how how which is a beast in and of itself. <laughs> How, how have you approached that as as a person that uh, you know at least for your patch you know you've been operating on your own? Yeah, it is definitely a challenge, and I'd start with just the optimistic point of view of it, right? That the good part about being the person that does all of those things, sets the strategy, does the posting, does the look afterwards and the analysis on it, um, is that you you have a very good overall picture of what's happening. So. I don't have to wonder how the LinkedIn post then coincides with the Instagram post, coincides with the Twitter post. I know all of the moving things at once and I can kind of get a read on the audience pretty easily by doing it day to day, you know, every hour of every day. Um, on the flip side, with it being a lot of work, I think one thing you have to really make sure you are doing is that you're organized across the different platforms. So you have a content strategy in place. You have people that you know are owners for specific pieces of content. Um, we had talked about it earlier, but having those different different themes depending on the different platforms that you're using definitely helps. So if I know that Instagram is going to be the sort of cultural channel and LinkedIn is going to be sort of the, the catch-all for business news and Twitter is going to be sort of just the news or conference channel or, or whatever you want to do with it um, really helps with the content strategy beyond that. And then I'd also add, um, and people have probably heard about this, but having different content buckets. So I like to have four different buckets of saying, um, is this going to educate our audience? Is this going to entertain our audience? Is this going to inspire our audience? It just helps to be able to figure out how to format your content and then you're not having that issue, like you said, of of having the exact same copy and paste copy and image across different social channels, being able to just tweak it a little bit to know, okay, on Instagram, they're going to be looking for an inspirational image and something that they can kind of take with them and follow for their career that is going to be our our goal for this one piece of content. It then guides the strategy across the different platforms, but then you're not feeling like you're recreating multiple different pieces of content. You're just taking that one piece and sort of flowing it into different different uh, iterations so that it can kind of grow the best on each channel. So I think having those set strategies, those things that you can go to, the organization of everything that you're doing, um, really helps and being that one person team you know you are kind of the only the only person that that has an eye an eye on all of it but you have those people that you can lean on within other teams to be able to help you out in the creation of everything i love the idea of the content buckets it's it's not something i've i've heard versions of what a content bucket is but i've never heard it kind of articulated in that way and i and i really like it i mean you know practically speaking what what do they look like i mean do they sit how, how do they exist in your world and how are you kind of like, you know, using them to to fill out the, the content plans for each of those social channels? Yeah, it's it can be challenging as you're approaching content because oftentimes, I think especially within B2B companies, but in general, when you're in marketing, you get a lot of requests for people to want to post certain content. And it's then hard to be able to say, how does this fit into these buckets? Where do they even go? Um, but I think the buckets give any social media manager or really any marketing manager some ownership on that process instead of feeling like you're just 
throwing out content loosely and there's no landing spot for it. So for me, um, I mean, I literally have this on a post-it on my wall at all times to make sure that I'm just throwing myself back to these meetings. So I have the, these four content pillars of, of what I do and they can change depending on what brand you're working on, even what pro- project you're working on. So if you're working on a launch versus you know, a different sort of company announcement, if you're doing an acquisition or something like that, they might change around, but it really helps you just ground yourself in what the content is. So for me, if I'm doing sort of, um, you know, an inspirational bucket, that's some, what is someone aspiring to? It's uh, what, what does someone want to take with them that they are going to try and embody? I really just go through these things and ask myself these questions and pose these thoughts to myself every time that I'm posting something with an inspirational content piece. And if you're going to flip that in a different way of, of someone sending you content, I'll get a request in and say, okay, what is this announcement going to do for us? This announcement might be something that is um, informative. It's informing them that, informing the audience that this thing is happening to the company or the company is releasing this, this thing. Um, and that kind of helps you sort of ground yourself and saying, okay, what I'm doing in my messaging is to inform people of this. And then it makes you kind of go into it with an overarching theme so that you can kind of bring forward the messaging that you would want to read if you are that audience member. I want to pick up on something you said uh, a little earlier on, which is about using the people within your organization to help Mm -hmm. fill out your content calendar. And I think for Instagram in particular, there's a great opportunity here because if you're approaching it as a means to show the faces of your business, at least in my experience, and tell me if it's the same for you, those faces within the business often are more inclined to help you create um, and source content for the Instagram than maybe they are with other channels where it feels, for want of a better word, a little bit more corporate, you know, or a little bit more defined. Instagram inherently is a little bit more playful, a little bit more visual. You can be a little bit more creative. And certainly in my experience, you know, when I put out a call, so to speak, you know, across an organiz- across the organization I've worked in, we need more culture content for Instagram. You know, what are you doing in your offices? Send it through to me, you know, particularly when you work in a global company and, you know, you and I have both worked for companies that have offices all over the world with thousands of people, um, you know, you, you can't know everything that's going on. And, you know, at least, at least for me, I've certainly found that for Instagram, when you, when you ask, people are more than not often inclined to, to send things through and help you build it out. Definitely. I think people get really excited by that. And I think it goes back to that idea that Instagram is considered sort of that consumer platform and considered something that people use in their, in their day-to-day life when they're just scrolling through social media. I think people understand it to that, that effect, which helps. Um, but, but I think people, I'm always telling people this, that there are parts of your job that you're doing that are more exciting than you think. Um, and I think as a social media manager, you can also get pretty good about hyping up those moments and making them seem much more exciting than other people are, are going through. So even if it's something as small as a team building activity, or um, maybe it's just a process that you're going through, if, if say you're redoing inventory or you're doing a graphic design process. I know when I was working for consumer face in France, we would do this all the time of, of previewing logos or things and giving a little sneak peek to get people excited about something. But I think there's definitely that 
that value in sort of using your employees as people that can showcase the exciting parts of your brand. And in a way, also, you see a lot of consumer facing brands using that user generated content on Instagram to sort of fuel their their consumer facing products. But if you look at it in a way from a B2B company, our employees can be our user generated content. They are the ones that are living and breathing the brand every day and are very close to that brand. So I feel like it's a it's an open opportunity to talk to them and collaborate with them. And at the very least, you get to talk a lot with your coworkers and it helps with an internal communications perspective because it's very easy to reach out to someone and say, hi, I'm the social media manager. Can I use your content on Instagram or whatever platform? And people, it, it just opens up a door to be able to talk to people like that. Do you have any specific tips of how you have kind of set up that communication flow between yourself and your colleagues across the world is it simply a case of sending an email out you know in my in my case previously i've i've leveraged the office managers as um kind of my point of contact around the offices in the world is it putting something out on kind of a global slack group is it something else you know how how do you actually practically go about making that request and and, and sourcing that content those all definitely help. I think getting to know the people in your offices, like the office managers that are very in tune with everyone in the office day to day helps. Um, that's how I you know, find out little tidbits of, oh, did you know that this person on this team runs a marathon every year or this person does this massive hike every single year? So definitely getting yourself in tune with who those connectors are in your office helps. Um, but if you don't have that entry point, I know a lot of people, if you're starting out in a job, it's very difficult to know who those people are, is really just putting yourself out there. So like I had said earlier, connecting with your coworkers on LinkedIn is such an easy thing to do. And it seems like such a, a silly, oh, of course, I'd be connected with my coworkers on LinkedIn. But it does surprise you how many people you don't know. And in a global company, even more so if you're not talking with these people day to day sometimes you might not be connected with them. So connect with your coworkers on LinkedIn and you'll be shocked at how many times they share things to their own LinkedIn profiles that then you can sort of tack on and say, hey, I saw this great image that you posted. Mind if I share that on Instagram? And I'll, I'll just send that as a LinkedIn message to this person and say, I'm the social media manager. If you have any other content like this, please feel free to send it over to me and I would be happy to repost it. Um, just being able to make it clear that you are that entry point. I think a lot of people don't always know who to go to with it. So I'd say try a varied approach, try all different ways and just put yourself out there and, and see what comes its way. So when you're a solo marketer, often it's about working smarter rather than harder. And when we talk about repurposing content, so creating a piece of hero content that you can then use and reuse across multiple channels in different ways, um, you know, that's, from my experience, been a very effective way of, uh, of filling out our content channels. Is that something that, that you have experience with and, and that you've used on Instagram specifically to any effect? Definitely. I think when you have a really great piece of content, it's a really great piece of content and it can be used on different platforms. I think the key that I always put in there is being able to take the extra effort to really purpose it for each channel. Because I know as a solo marketer, a lot of people, myself included, have an intense bandwidth issue and it's very difficult to take the time to repurpose a piece of content for each platform. But I think that really goes 
the distance. It really makes the difference between someone who's doing the job versus someone who's really growing the channel or growing growing the content. So I think that for me, it looks like taking one piece of hero content, for example, let's say it's a blog post, you take that and you can repurpose it into a quote graphic for Instagram, or you can take that quote and bring it over to LinkedIn and make it into a different, you know, spaced out format so that someone can get a little bit of a taste of the piece of content before they click on the link. Um, Or on Twitter, you might do a Twitter thread about that blog post so that people can sort of experience that blog post there before clicking into it. Um, Because especially with pieces of content like there where there's a CTA, it can be very difficult to get people to make that next action. So I think it just is very important to be able to take whichever platform you're on and make sure that you are honing in on what is special about that platform and how people consume content on that platform so that then your piece of hero content can go as far as you want it to go. And when we're talking about content, we're not just talking about externally facing content. You know, we can also, I think there's also a huge opportunity um, looking internally at things that maybe wouldn't be considered uh, at face value externally facing, but with a little bit of work, with a little bit of tweaking can be made externally facing. For instance, you know, one of the ideas that that I've experimented with in the past is running an internal podcast, right? So let's say the CEO is, uh, you know, interviewing a member of of their staff every every week and putting out a kind of 15 minute internal podcast. And maybe 50% of that is for an internal audience only and shouldn't be shared because it's sensitive information or whatever. But 50% of it is, you know, the, the CEO and the employee getting to know one another and talking about the roles and the projects they're working on. And that is an internal piece of content that can be taken and pulled apart. And particularly for something like Instagram, which, you know, is, as we've been alluding to, perhaps more and more uh, inclined to be more culturally focused and, you know, company focused, um, can be turned into things like quote cards and, um, you know, short audio clips and things like that, you know? That's one of my favorite tricks. I'm so glad you mentioned it. I, I feel like changing those internal pieces to something that can be done externally is just such an untapped resource in a lot of organizations, because exactly like you've said, you've done the effort, you've done the heavy lift already. And with a little bit of tweaking, you can make it public and you can do, you know, even, even if the audio is still strong enough, you can take that little clip and make it into sort of an animated quote graphic that people have been doing with different podcasts or, You can make it into a a short video clip that you can put on the different platforms. Um, I think one of the things that's so great about social media is that small pieces of content, so short videos or short clips can go such a long way. And I think that's something that is hard for people to understand that, you know, I'll say that by doing a 30 second or, or even one or two minute clip, you're already getting a lot of your audience in those in those little snippets people don't understand that that people's attention spans are, are are short with that, but it really does count and it really does matter and help your brand. And in a way that's such, such a small lift from you internally, um, but really just keeping in mind how we consume content, you know, how when you're scrolling through Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter, you know, you're, you're not going to be listening to the whole full, you know, hour, two hour long podcast or whatever it is that someone's recording, but you will see a little snippet with, you know, closed captions on it or a graphic that that has the text within it that people are hitting home on. So 
a good piece of content is a good piece of content. And if you can use it in any way and really just take as much value out of it as possible, I think that's that's definitely something people should take advantage of. So I think it can be a little bit daunting um, for a solo marketer or a marketing team, um, or a small marketing team um, who are strapped for resources. Maybe they aren't fortunate enough to have a, a designer on call um, to help them out uh, when it comes to social media and particularly with Instagram being such a visual medium, um, you know, that alone could be enough to put someone off. I can't design something that's going to look nice, uh, quote unquote nice. So uh, it's just best if I, if I don't do it. Um, what would you say to, to that person? And are there any kind of tools or tips that you'd share that could help them overcome that, that fear? Don't let it deter you. I completely hear you. It is, it is very difficult and I am not a graphic designer by any means. Um, but I, I used to work very closely with graphic designers. I would sit right next to them. I would learn different tricks of the trade by looking at what other companies are doing and, and honestly Googling a lot of it and trying to figure out how I can make the most of it. Um, but I think, I don't think it's enough of a reason to not do it. I think by using some of that user-generated content that you'll see from your colleagues on LinkedIn or, or whatever you're getting it from, um, that can definitely help by putting those raw photos first. I think people like seeing some of those less edited photos. I think we have been ingrained into seeing those perfect photos and realizing that that is not real life, especially in 2020. Mm. Um, so I think leaning into that rawness is definitely okay. And, you know, not always intuitive, but I think people can definitely take advantage of that. In terms of quote graphics and things like that, I know my graphic designer friends are going to roll their eyes at this, but Canva has been a big... <laughs> <laughs> so so I will, I'll take that with a grain of salt. Canva is very polarizing for a lot of people, but Canva is a really great way that if you are in that moment of saying, I have no idea how to start, I, I can't start, I can't do this go on there. Nobody's going to shame you for, for using a, a Canva graphic um, for a few posts while you, you figure out your way. And it honestly is great for people who are in that, that moment of they don't have a graphic designer or they don't have the budget to, to get a graphic designer. Um, just start to play around and figure out what your brand looks like, what your brand feels like, how you can kind of incorporate, whether it's screenshots or, or other things. There's different uh, you know, formats of, of memes and things like that just play around with it and, and see what you get to. And really just don't be afraid to start looking a little bit raw at the start and figuring it out along the way. I am team Canva all the way. You know, per, per, <laughs> personally, I, I've got a problem with it um, because as you said, it, it helps people get started, right? And, yep. you know, yes, there are much more sophisticated tools out there and there's a lot of arguments for using them over, over Canva, but, and just for the record, I'm not being paid by Canva here. Um, not like I've got <laughs> Neither am I. Deal. Right. So let's just make that clear straight away. But it's, if you want to, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Canva. <laughs> hit me call up. Call me. Yeah. Hit me up. <laughs> it's, you know, it's cost effective. There's plenty of templates on there that can be tweaked to, to match brand guidelines in terms of kind of colors and fonts. It's drag and drop. You, you know, you can't get simpler than that. Um, mm -hmm. And as we said, you know, if it gets someone over the hump of doing or not doing something, then I'm all for it. You know, that's why mm -hmm. it's there. And one other thing I'd add with it too, and I do this sometimes, is 
if you create mock-ups or just general easy simple designs in Canva at the start and you put those forward and see that they are resonating as pieces of content you can maybe use that as sort of leverage to propose getting budget for a graphic designer or to use that as 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 a piece of work within your own graphic design department if you have that already um, so start with what you have and just start going. And if it, if it takes off great, and then you can use that as sort of fuel to, to try and get yourself ahead in the future. For those listening who want to learn more about you or want to reach out to you directly with questions on how they can improve their Instagram in a B2B setting, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me all over the internet. I am on most social platforms as, um, at Nicole Tabak. So it's N-I-C-O-L-E-T-A-B-A-K. Um, I'm also on my website, NicoleTabak.com, um, and you can feel free to reach out to me on any of those those platforms. My direct messages are always open, and I'm happy to talk to anyone. Nicole, thanks so much for appearing on B2B Better. Thanks so much, Jason. This has been awesome. And that's it for episode six of B2B Better. A huge thank you to Nicole for joining me today. Do yourself a favor, go follow her on Twitter and LinkedIn, where you'll not only be exposed to first-class marketing insights, but also advice on how to strike that all-important work-life balance with self-care for content creators. If you found this useful, go ahead and leave a rating, a review, or you know, just shoot me a DM on Twitter telling me. It'll make my day. If you've got any questions or there's a burning topic that you'd like to hear me talk about on B2B Better, just connect with me on Twitter at Jason R. Bradwell or LinkedIn. See you next time.